Hi, everybody. I'm Sunny, and this is We Gotta Talk, a live weekly digital talk show and podcast where we like to dig deep. Real talk, big topics. Now, let's dig in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of We Gotta Talk. I'm so glad you're here. Um, you know, we love a good deep dive on this show. And I think what we've tried to maintain as we've done, oh gosh, nearly 200 episodes now, or just over 200 episodes, is a place where you can come to talk about, or, or not talk, but hear about issues that are always in the news, but you want to know more about them. You might have a strong feeling one way or the other. But the goal here is to bring some nuance to discussions that maybe we feel like we already are so sure of, but maybe not. Today's guest was a huge hit last time he was on, and I'm really honored he's coming back. The Consciously is a social media star, first and foremost, with over 2 million followers on TikTok, over 273,000 on Instagram. He holds a bachelor's degree in African-American studies and a master's degree in human relations, as well as a master's in adult higher education. He is a professor, he is the author of an online course, and most recently crowned a uh, content winner by YouTube, a creator of the year. We are so excited to welcome back the Consciously onto We Gotta Talk for Chapter 2. Lee, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. We did an informal poll. We talked to some people on social media yesterday. As of the time of recording, um, the artist formerly known as Kanye West, currently known as Ye, is dominating headlines. Adidas just dropped him, um, among other big sponsors and corporate partners, including Bank of America, Balenciaga, Balenciaga etc. Um, I want to know what you're hearing from your followers and on discussions you've been having on social media, where you stand on Ye and the world's response to his anti-Semitic comments. Uh man, I don't even know where I would start. Uh, I would start by uh saying that anytime you start repeating some uh Nazi speaking points about you feel me anything and anybody is probably bad. Um, being a uh, conscious, unapologetic black person, I recognize that uh white supremacy has many enemies, and I recognize that uh the way that anti-blackness is set up that 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 many people are implicated within anti-blackness but just in recognizing anti-blackness is bad anti-semitic anti-semitism is also bad and i just think that the way that the world right now is uh especially on the sides of social media that i'm on i think that the divide and conquer um type of mentality is 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 is, is very fluent right now within the black community between the black and jewish community um i think that there are a lot of varying perspectives man that make it hard for this conversation to be had whether it's about you know saying kanye west is a billionaire because he's a billionaire we should believe everything he said or he has some beginning truth or whether it's you know what i'm saying acknowledging well jewish people are anti-black too it's like yeah but that doesn't justify anti-semitism um it's like it's a lot of things you know so, okay, let's dissect this because we, we do love a hard conversation. And you know what? We always say this when we chat. This is obviously we're representing only one voice each in our respective, you know, identities and communities. But I, you know, I, I do feel like you're a safe person to really dig in with because you have this experience really interacting with tons of different types of people on social media and you don't come across as judgmental or, or, um, you know, overly... 
<laughs> yeah. Or yes, which is a big check. Now I, I obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. And um, although I, I think we can all sort of look at that and recognize the evil in that type of speak and the way it's sort of infected other people, emboldened other people to come out with their own uh, hateful comments and rhetoric. I'm thinking of the signs that were held over the 405 in LA. Um, you know, you, you have been bringing up some interesting points on your social media about how, for lack of a better term, the non-Black and non-Jewish community, whoever that may be, responds to this type of provocation. So we've had incidents before where the Black community has been the target of hate or disrespect, and you see a certain reaction. And now we're having an issue where we're seeing the Jewish community being the target of hate and disrespect, and we're also seeing a certain reaction. From your space where you sit, is there a crossover between the people who support the anti-racist movement and those who support the anti-anti-Semitism movement. Is there some, are these the same group of people who are speaking up against it? No, I think that there's a lot of multiple, there's, there's a, there's a lot of different ideologies and perspectives that are speaking up right now that when we think about the ways that anti-Semitic, like being an anti-anti-Black, anti-Black or anti-anti-Semitic, makes it where there are a lot of intersections between individuals being able to recognize how anti-blackness as an institution, as policies, as history, how it intersects and interconnects with a lot of the Nazi, anti-Semitic, white supremacist, you know what I'm saying, ideologies and history that's also involved with, you know what I'm saying, these two things. So right now we see that um, just as we know that, you know, the Nazis didn't like Jewish people, they also didn't like black people. So you know, from the standpoint of a lot of different individuals in the black community that are conscious of and aware of how anti-Semitism has always already played into like white supremacy, you know what I'm saying? It comes in there. I know for me, for me personally, you feel me? It's like a lot of people thinking about the ways in which Jewish people are in or in Hollywood. And I think that if you do like the history and dig, you will see that anti-Semitism is the reason why Jews got pushed into Hollywood. You see, we had film and we had that in New York, but anti-Semitism did not allow for Jewish people, for their talent, for their humanity to be recognized because they were seen as being cheap or being thieves or being untrustworthy or being trying to take control. So they literally had to move out west. So a lot of times when you think about the narratives that are being created, it's being created without historical context or it's being created with the historical context of you repeating, you feel me? Jewish media a hundred and some times in a four hour span. It's like, oh, that sounds like them folks that's anti us. You know what I'm saying? So, you know. When you when you say us, like, do you consider any group who's been oppressed in any way? Is there some level of relation you feel? Or is there some part of you as an individual who wants to reach out and say, listen, you know, I understand the position you're in. The culture has treated you in a way, maybe not identical to the way that it's treated me. Is there a sense of like... um I don't know. I don't want to say unity. That's the wrong word, but protection, yeah, desire to come up and coalition. stand up. I use like, so I, I use like the time text of like solidarity. You feel me? Coalition. You know what I'm saying? I think that there are a lot of Jewish people that I'm coalition and solidarity with when it comes to recognizing the ways that our struggles are similar in that they're different. You know what I'm saying? Does this mean that we can have a conversation about anti-Zionism or about, you know, Palestine? I think we can have that conversation and have that deep conversation that's very complex. But I think there is a world where I can say I'm not rocking with Zionism and I'm not rocking with anti-Semitism. You feel me? I see both of these things as being a beacon of oppression that I don't want to be no part of. 
You feel me? And being able to have those very nuanced, you know what I'm saying, conversations about oppression and about humanity and about being able to have respect for people. So for me, in a conversation about anti-Semitism, I'm always already thinking of the history of the long history of the ways in which Jewish people throughout the Jewish diaspora. I think that's a lot of conversation you kind of get lost in, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people, especially I think that in nine in, in, in non-Jewish communities, when you say Jew, you think of white Ashkenazi Jews and, you, and you're literally erasing all the other people within the Jewish diaspora. You know what I'm saying? And you still buying into some anti-Semitic speaking points, even when talking about the Ashkenazi Jews. But I still think there's an erasure that happens. So when you start talking about anti-blackness, the, the, the obvious, you feel me, intersection of this is there are black Jews. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of what Kanye tried to say too. And, I'm not talking about that. I'm not. I'm not. No, I know you're not. I know I'm you're not, not saying talking that. Talking about individuals that are, you feel me, like Ethiopian Jews. Talking about individuals or right. groups that are born and bred within the Jewish customs and traditions and understanding. You feel me? That this is their identity. I'm not talking about people. You feel me? That just you know came across a dope video on YouTube, and now they're declaring that they are Hebrew Israelite. Now, disrespect to all of them but there are individuals that make claims based off of a snapshot video they seen or a snapshot conversation they had to able to repeat and it makes it where you come off how kanye comes off as yeah. if you're trying to create a identity authenticity test our authenticity test for identity by saying them the fake ones over there we the real ones over here that is not the same thing and when I say the Jewish diaspora, I'm recognizing that there is a multiplicity of race and nationality amongst Jewish people. You see what I'm saying? I'm recognizing that there are Arab Jewish people. There are black Jewish people. There are white Jewish people. There's Jewish people in Ethiopia. There's Jewish people in Palestine. Now, I'm acknowledging that there are a multiplicity within these things. I'm also acknowledging there are literal like black Jews, you feel me? Not just in like the Ethiopian context, not just in the Hebrew Israelite context, but literally like across within the African diaspora, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So just like really thinking about what that means to have a conversation about humanity. Yeah, it's so interesting because I'm sure you encounter this too. Social media and the publicly presenting of ourselves or the public presentation of ourselves that all of us do, whether by virtue of our jobs or by choice, really forces us to compress our identities. And people might look at you and just say, oh, well, he's black. Or people might just look at me and say, oh, well, she's white. Um, what It makes it hard to have these conversations too, because when you think you're looking at someone, we, there's no way we can take in someone's entire identity, even with an hour-long conversation, right? There's nuance to our experiences, to how we were raised, to our cultural identity versus our skin color. I mean, all of these things. Like, what is a good way for people who who really want to show up as conversationalists in the space, not just people, and we talked about this last time, who want a virtue signal? Because while I appreciate an intention, I think there are a lot of people who actually want to understand and do the work and not just, for example, post the black square or post the um, quote relating to, yay. So how, how do people show up and present? Like you're a social media person. You won an award with YouTube. You obviously do a good job of understanding and expressing nuance. So for people who who want to show up to the table and have these conversations, like what's a good what's a good entry point to be like, okay, I'm here. I support you. I support the things that your community stands for, but I kind of want to know more. And I kind of want to understand why you feel this way. Like, how do we show up like that? Uh, I think in two ways, uh, trying to have meaningful relationships and conversations with people outside of this identity that you want to learn about. 
and also being able to take your own time to invest in teaching yourself and educating yourself about that particular identity. So for me, shameless pull up, you know, I have an online class about identity politics that if individuals want to learn more about the history or the language of race, class, gender, ability, sexuality, I create an online course for individuals to be able to actually dive into a lecture, actually have some supplemental readings, actually have a self-assessment for you to really try to be able to say what you mean and mean what you say and have meaningful things to contribute into conversations about racism, sexism. Ableism, things like that. What's know? one thing you do personally to expose yourself to opposing points of view and to come from a place of growth or come like what do you do if you say you're logging onto someone's I don't know account or you're going to a news source that's known to lean in one direction or the other? Do you purposely sort of trigger yourself and make yourself take in that content? I, I this is my exercise. I'm a Libra though, and I love a little. I love a little provocation in that way. But what do you do? Because your job is literally to help facilitate these conversations. So do you find yourself exposing yourself to these other points of view so that you can understand them, so that you can counteract them? Like, what's your routine? Uh, my routine, I think it's been, I've always been a people person. I, always, I love people. I love talking to people. I love talking to different type of people, maybe identity or ideology. So because I felt like I've always been grounded in trying to be connected with so many people, I get the benefit of always already hearing a whole bunch, a whole bunch of different perspectives. And I've never really been the type of person on social media to, to be like, because you said something I disagree with, I'm going to block you. Or because I think you're a dumbass, I'm going to block you. Or because you're being unethical or oppressive, I'm going to block you. I'm usually the person that I try to sit around and maybe I'll just watch this time. But this time I, I, might, I, might, I, might, I might debate you or try to say something to you or something like that. But I think that that's the way that I, I do it. But also, too, I might get bored and just watch some Fox News. You feel me? I, I don't. That's the that's the that is the only conservative thing that I probably will consume where I'm consciously consuming. I don't I don't go to Candace Owens page or TikTok right. or Twitter to watch what she's posting or watch what she's saying. I don't do that. You feel me? Uh, you feel me? And the rest of the conservatives, you know, what I'm saying? I don't go to Tucker Carson's page to see what he's doing, and what he got going on. Like, I don't I don't I don't I don't, I don't involve it, but I will watch Fox News. You know what I'm saying? I'm from a small town in Bryan, Texas. I went to school in, you know what I'm saying, born and raised in Bryan, Texas. So you feel me? A lot of Republicans and Democrats and moderates and trans and people from, you feel me, affluent backgrounds. We're from the trailer park, from the hood, from the reservation. Like, I'm, because I'm from Oklahoma and Texas, I feel like now I'm from both of these areas now. I get to have that, that, that benefit of being around all these different things. And I don't agree with everybody. Right. And what do you feel when you expose yourself to those points of view that maybe aren't necessarily helped by you like what do you feel when you watch fox news i feel a multiplicity of, i feel a lot of shit i feel a lot of things you know what i'm saying sometimes it's very humorous you know <laughs> sometimes it is uh intriguing sometimes it pissed me off and annoyed me sometimes you know i i slapped my leg like man that was dumbly clever that was clever in a dumb way you know what i'm saying um and sometimes you know i like to just soak up the information i think that i think that what's important is that to say is that I was born and raised in Bryan, Texas. So a lot of conservatism and a lot of things that is pushed in like right media was my norm and my default, even as a black person. So I, I grew up seeing Fox News as a credible news source. I didn't learn Fox News was an uncredible news source, if I'm being honest with you, really until I was in college. You know what I'm saying? So are your parents conservative like or like who was watching it? And are, is your family conservative? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I would say, I would say, uh, yeah, we got some conservatives, you know what I'm saying, our family, but I think that growing up down south, we only, I feel like in, in, in Brian, how I grew up, really usually seeing shit in terms of black and white. So unless conservatism or Fox News is talking something black and white in terms of race, it was like, ah, but they want to talk about, you know what I'm saying, some Islamophobic jihad or Al-Qaeda, you know what I'm saying, we ain't, I ain't seen, I ain't know about that, you feel what I mean? So in most instances, when I think about conservatism, how I understand it now, I would argue that a lot of us, a lot of us black conservatives have, I mean, a lot of us black Southerners have different conservative sentiments or, or have had different conservative sentiments that we've had to work through. But I, but, but speaking for myself now, just for me, my worldview was indoctrinated, bred, watered, you know what I'm saying, shit, giving nutrients in a conservative, dominated, like George Bush's library is in, in where I'm from. George, like George Bush's dad, George, his library where I'm from. Texas A&M is what George Bush, Her, George Herbert Bush, not George W. Like that's what you know what I'm saying. So it's just like that's that's why I'm born and raised there. You feel me? Why are people so shocked then when they see a black conservative? Like I, I, I think I speak for like the trend that we've seen on social media. There's still some kind of there's still some dissonance there. Why? Because the 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 media in a lot of different instances tries to make things a lot uh, polarizing because from a from a content standpoint, when you're trying to create something, it's all about being able to grab people's attention. And I think that the media showed a lot of content creators from the very jump what it means to manufacture controversy and what it means to get people to like buy into shit. You see what I'm saying? Right. Right. I mean, I'm thinking too of how people treat Candace Owens and, you know, it's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to even bring up her name because it's, She's polarizing and, and for understandable reasons. But I mean, what is it like as a member of the black community to hear Candace Owens speak and, and purport to speak on behalf of a large number of black Americans that she says she represents with her viewpoints? I mean, like, and again, not asking you to speak for the whole group of people, but in you personally. Hey, from my you, perspective, from my yeah. perspective, there's always been a, a, a particular position within the black community that represents or embodies what Candace Owens does. You know what I'm saying? I have a mass. I have I have a degree in African African American studies. I have a master's degree in human relations. So when we think about the history of Black people, there have always been individuals that have wanted to run away from the plantation. There's always been individuals that wanted to run the plantation. There's always been individuals that wanted to, you know, integrate. There's always been individuals. There's always been a dissonance or a multiplicity within how Black people think. And when it comes to the resistance of the collective of Black people, you've always had individuals that are positioned to kind of push at that resistance. You know what I'm saying? In a system of white supremacy or a system of colonialism, you will always be rewarded whenever you go back and try to buy into the modes, values, you know what I'm saying, of the slave master or of the colonizer. So in a system of America, when you buy into white supremacist values of black people, you're able to create, you feel me, a mold for you. You know what I'm saying? If you go back and watch any film about slavery, there's always been that position. Even if you go back to uh, thinking about histories before slavery and thinking about just, you feel me, the Afri like the West Africans, East Africans living amongst ourselves, you feel me, and not being worried about, you know what I'm saying, shit like that. It's always been individuals that was willing to, you know, at their, at the, at the collective expense, come to that individual, you know what I'm saying, gain and line their pockets. That's just... Yeah, I mean, are you a firm free speech, you know, activist and, and and believer where you think that, and I'm not conflating her with this question at all, but just people in general who have expressed, and this I guess goes back to the A discussion too, to a lesser extent, although I think his 
Like what's the border of yeah. what's me, okay and not? Freedom of speech don't mean freedom of consequence. You have the freedom of speech, but you got to also, you can be recognized whenever you say something, everything got a consequence. So it's because you're free to say things. It doesn't mean the way those things impact the reality or people's psyche mean that they're like, you were free to say it. That mean, you have to be free in how you react. Like, hell no. So for me, it's all about the violence. It's about the ethics. It's about the morals. If you say something using your freedom of speech, does it encroach on somebody else's unalienable rights? You feel me? If you say a disparaging thing about a group, no matter how real you think this is, no matter how criticizing you think this, you know what I'm saying? How, how critical and this, that, and the other do, do can we say this leads to violence for this group? Is there a history of this leads to violence for this group? I cannot go into a public building and yell fire. The law says that I cannot go into a public building and yell fire because it incites high chaos and incites violence. So even the law recognizes there is a line when it comes to freedom of speech. And that's really how I say it. And I'm sorry, I feel like I'm, I got a lot of energy right now. I don't know where it's coming from, but I feel like I cut you off twice. I apologize. Yeah. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Listen, this, there's a lot of interaction. I, there's no issues here. I promised um, people who were tuning in today that we would dive into wokeism as a theory, as a thought, as principle, whatever you want to call it. Um, we're using that as a frame of reference or as the word we're going to use to refer to that philosophy and theory Ooh, today. Ooh. Well, <laughs> kind of, I yeah, it the I ism. It. So I want you to tell me, what is it? What purpose does it serve? And why do people have such a visceral reaction to that word? I'm going to start with this. The, people have a visceral reaction to the word woke because you recognize in some way, shape, form, or fashion, people are calling into question what you've been in bread, what you've been, been bred to believe in. Values, structures, systems, institutions, practices, policies, procedures. You know that when somebody is being accused of being woke, they're calling into question a norm that you believe should not be questioned or should not be debated. What I can see is that when you think about the word woke, it goes all the way back to like Marcus Garvey, 1920s, like literally wake up Africa, wake up this, that, and the other. So it comes from like an idea of people are being asleep. You feel me? That, you know what I'm saying? Like we want you sleep because when you sleep, you're easily persuaded. You're easily, you know what I'm saying? A, a, a trained. You're easily told to do something. So when it's like the idea of wake up, you know what I'm saying? Even like a, a Spike Lee film has a point where wake up. It's like literally telling, it's a, it's, a, it's a call to be aware, to be conscious, to be, you feel me, a, a understanding about what's going on around you and to being able to recognize it. Or almost thinking about it like this. I know they say the quote is fake, but I still think that the alleged quote has power. It said that Harriet Tubman, when asked what she wish she could have did, you feel me, with standing the other, what she like, she has any regrets. And she said something like it was a legend that she said that had she wished she she said she would have been able to save more slaves or help more slaves. It's like people would kind of, uh, you know, what I'm saying run away if she could have convinced them they were a slave. So waking up is being able to see that the, the what you live around, like what you live around, you feel me, how you live in is what it is. So really think about it. I was. I was born and raised sleep in many different instances. You know what I'm saying? I was going to high school uh, uh, ex ex extemporaneous uh, competitions, and my black ass was repeating Fox News as being a credible source. When I was in high school, I did international extemp, and I did domestic extemp. And this, in extemp, you know what I'm saying? Shout out to all my speech people. Literally, they would give you 30 minutes and give you a little question. You feel me? I, I, I learned how to bullshit at a very young age. You know what I'm saying? So I would literally be able to make up and pull some shit out of my ass. I remember the first time I was asked. To, I remember one of the one of the questions I remember the most from extemporaneous was asking: Is gas is gas prices inflation or price gouging? 
that's when this is like 08, you know what I'm saying? 07, you feel me? But I remember trying to make up something about Fox News to answer the question. My point is, I was asleep. I didn't know that uh, 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 Fox News was anti-black. I didn't know that I was listening to white supremacists. I didn't know. I, I, I really did not know. I was asleep. You feel what I'm saying? So for me to get to the other part, the first question that you asked in terms of like what it has become now is I would argue that in a system of white supremacy, all white people are conditioned. And I, I would say all, all white people are conditioned. The question is, will you buy into the condition or not? But all white people are conditioned to trivialize how black empowerment happens. I would argue what I understand about American history, that anytime we see black progression, it is always met by white backlash. The word woke was about black progression and black people becoming politically, socially, uh, economically more aware of what's going on around us. May it be the policymaking system or it be the, you know I'm saying, the economy. It's been us being more understanding of what's going on. And once white America got hip to it and it wasn't something that was going to be able to be co-opted as something good, they can monetize. And they seen it was something that was calling into question how we monetize black culture. That's when it became bad because we're calling the question all your shit, all your power. You feel me? You you say America and not you, but like America says this is the greatest country. And I bet not try to, you know, what I'm saying criticize America because you at least you're not over there in Africa with flies around your stomach. I became woke and have a more international understanding of the African diaspora and African people. And I know that I'm not, I, I no longer only see myself and my people through the lens of white supremacy. I can now see my people for my own, for, my, for myself. You see what I'm saying? And now it's become a whole bunch of shit, but yeah. No, no, no. This is, I, I really want to dive into American exceptionalism too. Now it's become some, now, now also too, it's been, it's, it's been lumped into the surface level American cultural wars that seen as some left shit. But you being real, people that really identify, define themselves as being woke, like myself, we critical of the left and leftists too. So it really, for me, show how, as a matter of fact, I would argue that people that really, that's, that's really on some woke shit, they have better critiques and criticisms of the left and liberalism that conservatives could ever dream of. You see what I'm saying? Because I'm woke enough to recognize it. When I say police brutality, these white conservatives believe that is a white liberal speaking point. No, 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 no. George Floyd was killed in a the democratic liberal state, democratic liberal city. Listen, I'm talking about the ways in which the entire system, the left and the right, th those are two different sides of the system. Woke is about having structural, I would argue, from my perspective, when I say I'm woke, I'm talking about a structural analysis that talks about how the left and the right are implicated in the school to prison pipeline, the war on drugs, gerrymandering, redlining, like you name it. You see what I'm saying? I don't have no time to be playing these bipartisanship games when it comes to the political, social, economic independence of black people. Because if, 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 also I also argue a lot of times these conversations, it show you that people not really woke like that because you only view the experience of black people through the lens of left versus the right. What I know is that niggas living in the East Coast and the West Coast and down South, we got Democratic mayors, we got Republican mayors, we got Democratic governors, we got Republican governors. You show me a state that ain't got a high level of black people being incarcerated. And I show you, you know what I'm saying, a goddamn unicorn. You show me a state that ain't implicated within the mass incarceration of the, you see what I'm saying? This is about being woke right here. It's about recognizing the way that the system is created Regardless of Republican or Democratic, there is a there there is an investment. You feel me into debilitating the Black community. 
That's what, that's what I would argue, you know? That clarifies a lot of things for me. And it also further complicates it in my mind because when people yeah, have the easy awesome. access point, right, to say, to blame the other yeah. side, we're, you're taking away our ability to say, well, sorry, that's a Republican problem. Or sorry, that's a Democrat problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From this perspective. Yeah. So, but so mm-hmm. let's, let's be solutions oriented, recognizing, and I think you're totally right, um, that we need to acknowledge the black community as beyond this, um, this binary of, are you Republican or are you Democrat? No, I, I, I agree. That tool of, of analysis needs to go by the wayside because frankly, so few people want to identify with either party anyway. These exactly. Days. That's a separate conversation. So what's the solution? Really not, that's the conversation though. That's the, con- the conversation is a lot of black people in the black community already disavowed and distanced themselves from the entire policymaking system writ large under the guise of saying you people are anti-me. And I say you people, I'm talking about the system, the institution. I'm not talking about so- all white what's the what's the solution like what is what is one way is it more involvement of of black leaders in the political system is it the creation of a new party is it addressing each of those issues that you brought up individually you know the 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 school to prison pipeline as you said gerrymandering like what is because we want to be solutions oriented here and and i want your thoughts as someone who's recognizing this problem isn't as you know simple as we have been taught that it is yeah. like where do you even start with an issue this big I, w- I, w- I would start with some of the first people that was woke that taught me what the, that, fact that taught me about what's called unquote wokeism marcus garvey in the 1920s the solution that he has is for black people to be able to build for ourselves so we see that it's not that the week that we don't build for ourselves so there's a history of us not being able to build for ourselves it's us being woke to recognize when we talk about the black wall streets of the world the solution is to see Hey, define the phenomenon, make it act in his eye manner. So it's being able to figure out the tools to build, but also recognizing the ways in which we've been not been able to build or the, the, the ways we've been deconstructed. That's how I see it. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, too, your thoughts on, you know, we, we've been through what a lot of people are calling a racial reckoning starting with George Floyd's death, um, but obviously have gone through periods of um, first time either. waking up. You're right. You know, the civil rights movement was one. Yeah. The abolishment of slavery. Yeah. We, we go through these waves of societies, right, where the things that you, the inconvenient truths that I think you speak to quite frequently, very eloquently, um, surface and they crest and they show us yeah. the ugliness underneath the system. My question is, will it ever not be an issue? Will it ever be, will it ever be not be a black and white? Will it ever be not a white supremacy issue or a, or an issue where it just boils down to race? Or do you believe that the firm, you know, the, the root of all of these issues does in fact lie in the issue or the big problem of white supremacy? Yeah, I think that yes, there, yes, there is a potential possibility for us to get past white supremacy or race or the white black binary the question is what are we willing to give up to get past it and that's when i answer the question by saying like i don't think we can get past it within the way that the world is structured and that's the reason why we start to have to think about this world through a more structural analysis and not just do one about some bipartisan type shit. you see what i'm saying because right. now now thinking about all of the things we've been taught to value america or the western world through how a lot of those things at the core are colonial that creates indigenous erasers how a lot of those things at the core or heteronormative that causes rhetorical violence and literal violence for you know what i'm saying trans and gender fluid and intersex people so it's really being able to for me when i think of white supremacy i'm thinking about how race 
class, gender, ability, sexuality are all infused through a particular Anglo-Saxon idea that says that if you don't conform to these ways of race, class, ability, sexuality, and gender, then you are not a human. And I would argue that the way that we see how America gets to go invade foreign countries, it is usually through the guise of being able to convince Democrats and Republicans that American democracy, American hegemony, American, you feel me, invading this country is the best thing that can happen for this country. Whether we want oil to get get mad, weapons of mass destruction, stop Saddam Hussein, get Osama bin Laden, uh, lay down democracy, uh, goddamn help some women over here, even though you don't care about the women over here. Like I think that a lot of literally into I'm being real with you. This, what I'm talking right now, this this is what conservatives are scared of. What I'm talking about right now, calling into question the entirety of America, this is what conservatives are scared of. Republicans are trying to make sure we can't teach in the classrooms. Because when we say America is on stolen land, that is a fact. You see what I'm saying? So whether you are a good liberal or a bad Republican or a good, good Republican or a bad liberal, you have to recognize that your existence of being here, it had to make it where those people are exterminating and those people had to build it up. There is no way for us to have a... La, 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 type of shit without acknowledging that violence, literal violence, like without the violence, you're not here. I'm not here. Nobody's here. And that's the part that I feel like the, the cognitive dissonance that a lot of people that say they want real history, that say they love the truth, that say they love education, it's really not about that business like that. You see what I'm saying? Because now we have to think about like where I'm at right now, I think it's Comanche land. I think, you know what I'm saying? The part of Texas I'm in, you feel me? Ain't no Comanches right in the city I'm in right now around here. You see what I'm saying? Comanches have to be exterminated. You know what I mean? To literally have this city, the beautiful city that I'm in right now. You feel me? I, like, yeah. And I, I, I respect that. And, you know, oh, I was I was recently in a place and they did a land acknowledgement. And it was a simultaneous 50-50 split of people appreciate it and people rolling their eyes. Right. There's there's going to be people who ask. And I'm devil's advocating here big time. Um without erasing history, still acknowledging that we do need to teach the brutality of the past, the violence of the past. And I think you can make the argument that many lands have been conquered before in a violent, brutal way, even maybe not as recently as America. I think we're the newbie kind of to this type of colonialism in world history. At what point though, is it we can acknowledge that, respect those communities, honor them in ways that they, you know, desire to be honored, but not live in the specter of the past, not live in the specter and and begin to move together and find those similarities. We always talk about finding similarities on the show because I can look for a lot of differences and I could probably find more differences than me and my neighbor than I can find similarities. But at what point do we say, okay, we honor the violence of the past, we apologize, we acknowledge and we teach it. But when do we move on? When people start giving up shit. What the? Literally what it is like to me it's like, what? To me it's like so to me it's like think about like this think about like this when 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 uh prince harry and his wife is about to go to jamaica and the jamaican's like we don't give a damn about you acknowledging this that and the other this that and the other you come in here with our shit the reason why i don't have shit is because you have shit so you can be nice and acknowledge everything that's going on but what does that do materially you see what i'm saying i think that that's the that is the thing that i feel like a lot of Republicans are smart enough to recognize what a lot of woke warriors are already getting at. 
Ain't, ain't no world where you're going to acknowledge that you, that person A stole from person B and gave it to person C and you feel like we can acknowledge it, but you ain't got to, you know what I'm saying? That's the point. That's that, that that's what we start getting at. You see what I'm saying? Right. It's so are you re like a reparation style? Um... A reparation style, but also thinking about access, opportunity, and resources and thinking about in a system of capitalism, those opportunity, resource, and access is already quantified. It's not infinite. So we already recognize in many different instances, some people feel like, hey, if you get access to this, they don't get access to it. If you get to drink five gallons of water, that's five gallons of water they can't drink. So it's really thinking about the way that we have structured the Western world, the global north versus the global south. It is structured on blood. Us acknowledging that, we got to go past acknowledging. You see what I'm saying? What do we do? If I shoot you and I acknowledge that I shot you, what does that do? Nothing. I have to now try to go and repair what I've done to you. Now, the debate comes, what do I do? Right. Now, I would and argue that we need to have the experts now come in and, and do this, but I think that that is the cognitive dissonance that Republicans have done gratefully while I think about the, the ways in which Republicans uniquely are involved, making it where we don't get to teach the youth about the ways in which these systems are codified and fucking you up. So now we don't even get to know. They want, they want them to be, my, my real name is George, right? They want they, they, they want little Georgias that don't know about how polarizing the world is. You see what I'm saying? I'm from Texas. Listen, I'm from Texas. Last thing I say is Lorraine. When I'm being taught about Texas history, I'm being taught that General Santa Ana of Mexico was a brown dictator that was trying to stop the white people from being free. When I go back and relearn about Texas history, General Santa Anta was actually trying to stop the spread of slavery in, you know what I'm saying, into Texas because the Mexican government was against it. So when we talk about being woke or talk about, you know what I'm saying, like how do we get past it, it's thinking about it. When they talk about Mexicans taking over, you feel me, Texas, we're talking about indigenous people that were conquered. You see what I'm saying? And getting there. And then for me, it's thinking about this also as well. There is something unique about white supremacist colonialism compared to any other type of colonialism that we can think about. That I would argue there is something there is something unique about white supremacist enslavement or anti-black enslavement that's a lot different from the rest of the world. We started on the concept of wokeism, and I think we've done a great job in sort of acknowledging it is a term coined and started in the black community. But these days, it's come to include conversations, and discussions, and heated debates on everything from, you know, feminism to gender rights issues to I, I just uh, how CRT anything I mean, that opposes the establishment. Anything opposed to the establishment. Now, is there any value ever, though, conscious in the establishment? Like, what systems and conventions do you agree are actually a good thing for society writ large? Hey, governance is good. Governance is good. It's just that the way that we envision government at our West is, you know what I'm saying, justifies a lot of, you know what I'm saying, wildness. Um, I, I, I can say uh, social order and decorum and morals and ethics are good. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, there are traditions. I'm not saying all traditions are bad. You see what I'm saying? I'm just thinking of the ways in which the world is structured now. Not all structures are bad. The way in which the world is structured now, that is the criticism. You feel what I'm saying? What do you make of the current? Yeah, what do you, what do you make of the current discussion? And this is like a kind of a big topic, but we're gonna just dive in for a couple of minutes um, on um, the new definition of feminism, the inclusion or non-inclusion of trans women in that, the discussions and debates on changing rooms for young kids into trans girls. Like you've do you do you have children, right? Yeah, I got children. Okay, and does what are your thoughts on this? 
to begin. And then we're going to do a couple of follow-up questions because I feel like when we cover the topic of wokeism, gender issues are becoming a huge part of that conversation. So I can't yeah, wrap this up without hitting that. It, sh- it should be though. I think that when I think about woke, I think about uh uh Kimberly Crenshaw's idea of intersectionality. My kids, my son, my daughter, my six-year-old so, so, uh, a daughter, my four-year-old son, they they have to they have to uh be be raised around acknowledging the, the existence of trans youth. You see what I'm saying? They gotta be able to recognize, you know what I'm saying? Like, nah, that's how I think about it as a parent. But I do want to get your thoughts on the encom- the all-encompassing umbrella that wokeism has become. And we were just talking specifically about how gender issues have fallen under that umbrella as of late. And it's really sparked a lot of debate and controversy. And we were referencing the legislation in Florida that's come to be known as Don't Say Gay. It's, it's uh, it, it, it illustrates a lot of the conservative contradictions <laughs> in the ways that we say that all lives matter is deployed or the way that we see that uh, caring about kids is deployed. Um, we know that a lot of LGBTQ youth uniquely are impacted by uh, suicide rates and self-worth and depression and anxiety. So if you care about pro-life, I think that should extend to all kids, at least, you know what I'm saying? And not just like the cisgender straight kids. Um, also thinking about like all lives matter and they probably should apply to like all the kids. Um, I feel like there's a, cr- a criticism. When we think about like woke people being woke and how woke starts to encompass anything and everything and, and, and nothing. And sometimes and nothing. I feel like it's two things. The first thing it creates is a lot of times an erasure, uh, an erasure both ways, an erasure of how the idea of woke was structured by black people for black people and the understanding of blackness. And now woke is being deployed to talk about uh, generic gender like not not black feminism, not feminism through the textures of how different women live and are existing and get paid on a dollar, but just like capital W women, you know what I'm saying? And now it's extracted away from the black community. And we see how those instances literally creates violence like to black women. Or we see how wokeism is now being deployed when we start talking about the LGBT community. We see how that 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 idea starts to erase black. LGBTQ people, you know what I'm saying? And literally mm-hmm. makes it where anything the black community creates can be appropriated and extra- extrapolated and taken away from us and make it where somebody else can benefit. It can mean not what we said it mean. It can do all this, it can do all that. And that's how, you know what I'm saying? That's how I feel like that all comes together. And to answer the question, uh, I think that when we talk about like gender progression, you should always account for trans women, you know what I'm saying? And inter- like, you know what I mean? I feel like if you're, if, if, if I say I care about all men and I'm not accounting for trans men, that means I don't care about all men. You know what I'm saying? That's how I see that shit. It's very simple to me. Like feminism and black, all, all women, all women empowerment progression as a nine woman, I think should encompass trans women. Yeah. And, and I'm hearing you like very graciously explain that and, I have said this before and I'll say it again. I feel like any any good culture that we have experienced, like pop culture, culture, culture over the past, I don't know, since I've been alive, it's always come from the black community. And I can't stand when even as I'm like, you know, this isn't this isn't trying to patronize. This isn't trying to like yeah. be on the right side, but literally like from music to arts and entertainment to the type of things that are now you know, acceptable and fun and t- like all the good stuff. I would be really annoyed if I were a black person is all I'm saying is because we yeah. take your shit. I mean, yeah, we, annoy. We, we, I, we do be, and we be annoyed, man. We'd be annoyed. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, from Elvis to, from, from, yes, from Elvis say, the- to Pride D'Amelio, like literally thinking about it. From Elvis well, and- to Pride D'Amelio and Addison Ray, thinking about it too. 
the pathway to hell is paved with good intentions, people. So I'm not trying to say that when white people steal shit from black people, it is always done with ill intent. I recognize the allure of fantasizing and fetishizing the coolness of blackness and black people. I recognize that. I recognize the way that you are lured to dance with death or to dance with danger is a part of the persuasion of why we're able to extrapolate language, dance moves, food, all this for the black community while still saying the black community is disposable and exposable. It's only good or has value when we say or, or when mainstream media says it does. Right. The way black people talk is bad, except for that bling bling word. I think we can incorporate that into pop culture. The way that people dance is bad, except for the way you sway your hips. I think we can do something with that, actually. The way you eat is unhealthy, except the way you season the food. So we go. So it's just really thinking about yeah. the ways in which this community still is. It's almost it's a standing reserve for still shit from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 fascinating, really. It is as a white person. I mean, I was listening to Iggy Azalea the other day and her her like black scent. And I'm like, I mean, how does this? I'm looking around the car like, I mean, I know yes, she's been on the scene for a minute and this isn't like new news. This is not a new point of view, but I'm like, how does this happen? How does, how do people get away? I don't know. It's just, be uh, fair. she had us all. She had us all. To be fair, she had us all tricked and bamboozled. To be fair, I, I too was tricked by these guys. I was like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really confused. Um, I thought it was real. I swear I would have been able to like, it's seen it so authentic. So like, man. And then I go back and it's like, hell, no, no. I'm, I'm mad at myself for even thinking it. I'm, I thought I was way more culturally confident than I actually am, I guess. I know. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, you know, all of these things give us a great entry point to come into discussion about these really, what we talk about are bigger, bigger issues. And I think, you know, I, I just appreciate you always being willing to show up. And I know these are big discussions that have a lot of moving parts and a lot of nuance, but I'm grateful that you always come in and talk with us and just you know, kind of keep the conversation going. So Conscious, thank you so much for yeah, spending you. some time. You're at The Consciously on both TikTok and Instagram. Tell us really quickly where we can connect with you. I know you have an online course, as you mentioned, and a website too. So just quickly let us know where we can find you there. Yeah, uh, theconsciously.com is my website. I got an online class about identity politics. I have an online class coming at the end of the year about social media and social issues. Um, if you're looking forward to having me, you know, work do workshop facilitation, maybe about professional development, or maybe about you know diversity and inclusion, conflict management, or civility in the workplace. I'm the man for the job, but I'm gonna keep it real, rap and raw with you. Though. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be very entertaining, very engaged. And I promise you, have never had a workshop facilitator and or professor like myself. If you're interested in checking out any of my services or products, theconsciously.com. Conscious, thank you again so much for spending time with us today. Yes, thank you for having me again. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of We Gotta Talk. If you don't mind, I would love if you could leave a rating and review. Those help this show to get out to people who might find it useful or entertaining. I'm so grateful for your support. Please follow on Instagram at Sunny Abada or check out our latest blog post at wegotatalk.com slash blog. See you next time.